0: We are live we are live ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in this is the cash geeks network i'm g and i'm dom and this is the cash geeks network Let's you know go, what baby. it is and tonight we have a very special guest i mean we've been following this guy when did we go to the 10x event
1: oh my gosh it's probably close to over was four years 2018, over four years yeah ago.
0: 2018 we went to a 10x event and there was this badass wholesaler on stage with grant cardone um had a booth and everything and um, we've been following this guy ever since kind of took over mobile homes um and he's been just doing massive shit we were talking to him a little bit uh before the show and this guy has like eight million in mobile homes mobile home parks closing in like the next month um so my man chris rude thank you so much for hopping on let's bring on my man chris
2: awesome man appreciate that um yep it's always uh it's always fun to get on these and chop it up and talk and uh you know see if we can we can drop some value and talk
1: about the good the bad the ugly
2: hell yeah man more more importantly the uh the the ugly
1: (laughs) well what's up man are you in destin are you in louisiana no one knows where you're at these days anymore you're all over the place
2: Louisiana. I'm back home in uh, Cajun country, South Central Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana. We just oh, got up. back from Florida, the event we put on, and uh, now we're back back in the, in the groove.
1: Is uh, wifey still cooking that good uh, crawfish Or I'm not sure you if I'm it. saying
2: it. Crawfish touffe. You know it, man. Every, uh, we, we probably eat it at least once every other week or at least once a week.
1: Oh, no way. It's that, that big of a deal, oh, huh? dude,
2: it, it, it's that big of a deal. Have you never
1: ate crawfish before? Uh, I've had crawfish I can't remember in like I don't know do they do it in like rices or stir fries yeah. or something yep. yep I've had some of that stuff I if from the last time I can remember but not like an etouffee like how you guys make it yeah is that yeah, specific there, to like Louisiana or like it's
2: why well, it's specific to South Louisiana and it's very specific to Lafayette Louisiana and the way and in the, in the manner we make it is different than New Orleans or say Baton Rouge every Every uh little city has the, the different unique way of making. But Patty's Patty's world famous for that, man. We she's been cooking that for for guests for like you know shit fifteen years, but especially our, our coaching get, you know students for the past five years. And they've, they've never eaten it, they'll come over and they'll they're scared to eat it, and then they'll eat it and they'll eat three bowls, you know. No way. <laughs> I swear. That's the
1: biggest batch she's ever made. The biggest batch? probably should
2: we probably made about 15 pounds of it tuffe, for an event in new orleans went on
1: that's insane mm-hmm. and it probably yeah. was, there were probably no leftovers either no no it's it's
2: there's never any leftovers so
1: it's amazing man yeah so, and, and, so, and that's a. am sorry i don't mean to, to go on about the, Dom's the plumfish, interested in food i just want to stay on this topic the whole show but um is that like a thing when people visit you or you have like a one day mentorship or something like yep. that? Like they come to the home, they meet wifey, she cooks for you guys, and you guys hang out and chop it up or.
2: That's, that's what we do, man. We, um, it, certain packages of the mentorship, they, they'll come over. We, we go ride, look at my office, my operation, look at mobile home parks, other uh, stuff I got going on, land development, apartments. And then we, we come back and we make a fire and we, mama, mama root cooks a crawfish étouffée, We have a glass of wine and. Eat some of her famous A2Fa.
1: Can we can we do something where it's only about the dinner and forget all the mentorship <laughs> or like what?
2: Yeah, then we can do
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Yeah.
0: So I want I wanna go back to those days kind of where like how did all that start with you coaching with Grant Cardone on wholesaling and all that stuff?
2: Man, that's a great story. So um I knew Grant before he was, you know, Grant Cardone, before he was this, you know, billionaire, and super, super out there guy. He was already out there, but, you know, before he was well-known. But um, he's from from South Louisiana, where I'm from, but about 45 minutes west of where I'm from, Lake Charles, where I'm from Lafayette. And he had wrote a book, The 10X Rule, and then someone had recommended to me that knew him. So I, I read it, and um, and I told my wife, I said, "Patty, we need to go check this guy out. He's from you know he's from our neck of the woods." Um, and he put on this this event. He put on the first GrowthCon, right? This is uh, when was the first GrowthCon? This was five six years ago. And yeah. uh, the first GrowthCon ever there, I think there was only twenty five hundred people. I bought the best yeah. tickets you, you could get, right? I bought um, the tickets were like ten thousand dollars a piece, I was like, "We're gonna go we're gonna go check this guy out." Hell went on yeah.
0: too, but I did not buy those tickets. GrowthCon one, yeah, yeah, yeah. GrowthCon okay. one. That yeah. was in Miami, right? Yeah, yeah. It
2: it was in Miami. The Di- diplomat. That's right. Yeah. And we went and we sat in the very front with all the all the speakers. Like I sat, I sat next to Tim Grover the whole time. Michael Jordan's mentor.
0: Dude, got to, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And uh, I was not even know who I was sitting next to the first day yeah. until he he went speaking. I was like, dude, I just sat. I was, I've been talking to Michael Jordan's mentor. Second day, I got to pick his brain. But anyway, um. The event was totally amazing. I mean, he knocked it out the park. I mean, it was like going to it was like church, but for business, right? It's like yeah. he was a, uh, like Grant was uh, awakening the uh, the the spirit inside of it, the entrepreneur spirit. Everybody in the room, along with the other speakers, and toward the end of the event, he he told everybody, he said, "Hey, listen, anybody wants to come have a one on one meeting with me the next day in my office? If you buy card on you right now, you can come." So I, I bought it. I bought card on you. I was the first person Sunday morning to go into his office, have a 30 minute session with him. And he kind of, you know, he kind of deep dive my business and picked my brain on what I was doing. I told him I was wholesaling real estate. And he was like, Wholesaling real estate? He said, What the what the shit is that, Chris? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what wholesaling real estate. I do apartments. I know what flipping houses is. I said, Well, it's a way to buy it's a way to get, you know, flip houses without actually owning it. He goes, Well, how the hell you do that? I said, Well, you just get a property in a contract and you you assign it to an end buyer and make 10, 15, 20 grand. He's like, dude, that is freaking amazing. He says I think that would that would be some amazing content for my followers that are interested in real estate but can't do apartments like what I'm doing because they just don't have the wherewithal, the capital, the the network to sign off on debt. He said this would be an awesome, awesome piece of um, of content for my followers. So why don't we do something together? And um, so I, I you know, got with uh, a guy named Robert Syslo, his his uh, sales and marketing guy, and we had me and Grant. Went and uh, ended up sponsoring his, his. I did an interview with him, and I, he wanted me to put out content on Cardone. Uh, what was, back then? It was Cardone TV or something. I forgot what it was. It was a long time ago. But anyway, we. Uh, so I, I basically put out a ton of content on wholesaling through his his network of followers. And after that, man, a lot of people, you know, my, a lot of people got interested in wholesaling that were following him, and it kind of blew up, and then sponsored GrowthCon and did another interview with him. By that time, the following year, I had gotten into home parks and the second interview I did with him, we talked about mobile home parks. And from there, um, right around that same time, um, I had thought about starting a coaching company because I was already, I had, I had, let me back up, and probably tell my story before I went to GrowthCon. I was, I, I had already hired some mentors to show me how to get into, you know, to how to do wholesaling. Well, after my second mentor, Thirty days later, I was—I had made like forty-seven thousand dollars, just on my own. And I, but at this time, I was still running. I had the biggest quick lube. I, re, I was already an entrepreneur. I was pretty, you know, pretty savvy guy in the in the business where I, I had a, the biggest quick lube car wash mechanic shop in my town with four locations, thirty-three employees. But the oil field had collapsed in two thousand fourteen. Oil went from hundred and twenty-eight dollars a barrel to twenty-eight dollars a barrel, and. And, and it, wow. it destroyed a lot of the jobs here where I'm at. And uh I, and a lot of my business was was dependent on oil and gas fleet accounts, and they all were going bankrupt or moving back to Texas. So I um I wanted to get into real estate and I was Googling on YouTube, uh real estate investing, and this you know, guy talking about wholesaling popped up. I was like, Man, what what is this? This is pretty cool. I bet you I can do this. So end up ended up actually wholesaling a deal on my own, just watching YouTube. And I was like, Okay, there's money in this, let me let me get into it so i hired three mentors back to back to back where after my second war i i I got it i I caught on i I made forty seven thousand dollars. you know the first the first month after i hired that second mentor and then i just kept on climbing i was making 60 80 i got to making six figures nice and i was posting checks in in the private facebook group (laughs) and um all the coaches were seeing that and they're like dude you're freaking crushing it why don't you and they could tell I'm, that I could sell. I was an entrepreneur. I already know how to run a business. I said, Man, why don't you come help us in our sales department?
0: Mm. So I
2: went help. So I went help them enroll students and sell for them. And I started crushing the sales department. And then and then as I'm posting all these checks, and and you know all these students are coming to me, wanting me to help them. At the same time, I'm still running my shops. I still have you know I had four locations, but I had managers, but. I kind of realized that i didn't want to do that no more so i had a ma- meeting with my managers said hey listen here's the keys to all the shop don't call me unless somebody dies and i focused oh just God. on 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 wholesaling and i got to the point where the students were inboxing me and i was helping so many students that i i'm like I'm, i might as well be coaching them right, <laughs> they, right. they're they all they're reaching out to me because I'm, I'm posting checks for 30 40 10 grand so I was like, shit, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start my own coaching company. And I really I, I realized that I was actually a better, I was better at this than my own coaches. And I knew that, right? right. So yep. and and I um and I went <clears throat> and that was right around the same time I went to meet Grant Cardone that, that I decided I was gonna start my own coaching company. And everything fell into place <laughs> and um you got hooked up with Grant, and then my brand kind of blew up. The name blew up after that because Grant was blowing up at the same time, you know, as, as that I got hooked up with him and from there, man, I just started as my coaching grew from Grant's exposure. I started partnering up with my best students all over the country, and that's yep. how I blew. That's how I expanded. My, how I expanded my wholesaling and flipping business all over the country, nationwide, and then got into mobile home parks. And then same thing with that. I mean, I own parks all over the country now. You know, we have fifteen parks. I own more here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, I, mean, I own them all the way from Indiana to Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida. Um, you know, we have them all over the country now and, and we're 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 buying them like crazy. And I'm just I'm just using my so what I've done is I've used my coaching company to expand my portfolio.
0: Mm. So and, and that's huge, man.
1: When you're saying you've used your coaching company to expand a portfolio, are you partnering with students on these deals? Are you buying the deals from the students or like how does it
2: work? Both. So sometimes okay. they, they don't want a partner, they just want a wholesale fee you know, we'll pay them 50 grand, whatever the wholesale fee is for that deal that we can squeeze out for them. But the maj- vast majority of them are wanting to partner and standing stand in, in the deal. And, uh, and they're, we're, we're, you know, and that's, so they're coming to my mastermind or getting coaching from me. I show them everything I'm doing, how to find a deal, how to negotiate it, how to make offers. They're getting it, you know, initially a, a deal and getting it under contract. And then from there, I come in and I'm, you know, Putting the final touches on it, negotiating down even lower, then raising the debt. I mean, uh, raising the the money, getting the debt, signing off on the loan, and they're you know, they'll have a piece of it if they if they boots on the ground in that local market, or if they just found it, they'll get a small equity piece just as a finder's fee. And we're just we're, we're using that model and we're scaling. I mean, we're, we're right now we're we're right at about thirty million dollars in mobile home park holdings. Well, not all mobile home parks, but the majority of its mobile home park holdings. The other portion of its uh Short-term vacation rentals. I probably own about six million dollars worth of short-term vacation rentals, and the rest, probably twenty, twenty-four million of it, is mobile home parks. And um, we're just scaling that model of mobile home parks. We're trying to take it to you know hundred million here in the next couple of years.
1: That's a beautiful That's awesome, thing.
0: Man. I have a question. What what is it? What is the difference between owning mobile home parks and owning the short-term rentals? And are you looking to grow the short-term rentals as much am- as you look at? the mobile home parks or what absolutely
2: what so i mean like i at the end of the day I'm, I'm a businessman you know and i i look i look where's my strategic advantage where's the competition at who are the players who's the enemy you know if you've read the art of war right there's a lot of pertinent things you can take out of the art of war and you, you don't want to ever go to battle where you can't win right And i think right now for me my competitive advantage where i know i can win is is mobile home parks because they're still untapped mm-hmm. although a lot of people are catching on to it a lot of people trying to get in the mobile home park space especially the park owned model where you own the trailers nobody wants to do that i'm one of the only ones that likes to do that because i have a system I, I know how to rehab these things and, and harden them to where we can get the the maximum amount of writ so i'll play where i can win right and, and on top of that i have the whole selling business that i can generate leads for mobile homes that want to be moved there's a lot of people want to sell these these mobile homes and they have to give them away. I literally buy some of these trailers for five, 10, 15 grand that I'm getting eight hundred to a thousand bucks a month in rent. What does that in real estate? Nothing. Right. You can't you can't uh-huh. do that with single family homes. So that's my so that's my competitive advantage with with mobile home parks is that I know how to go for one, I know how to go direct to seller. Two, I have this brand where people know that I do this, right? And mm-hmm. they bring me, they bring me deals all over the country because of my because of my um my coaching company and my brand. And three, I, you know, I, I have this, um, I, I know how to rehab them. I, I, so I have this competitive advantage where I can win and I can win really big. I mean, we can buy a four unit mobile home park, maybe eight spots are empty and I can haul in eight trailers that I paid five, 10 grand for and get, you know, 900 to a thousand bucks. The cash flow is just insane. Nothing does that in real estate. Apartments don't come close. Wow. So that's, so that's why I play in And I'm buying mobile home parks that, have, you know, a 10 to 12 cap unstabilized. And then stabilize them at a fourteen to eighteen cap, right? Sometimes even a twenty. I got one park. The first park I ever bought, it's like a twenty-two cap right now. It's ridiculous.
0: Jesus.
2: Yeah. So nothing does that, right? So that's much. So that's a huge advantage on the mobile home park side. Now the short-term vacation rental side. I've always liked short-term vacation rentals on the beach or by, you know, because they only made so much waterfront property for one. They only made so much. You know, they only made so many beaches too, and uh, three. with the the age of COVID, you know, that's driven up the value of short-term vacation houses, not condos, but houses because of the the exclusivity you can have inside of a house where you don't have to deal with management of a condo or a hotel with the COVID restrictions. You don't have to wear freaking masks. You have your own privacy. So I I have homes. I don't have any condos. I sold off all my condos. So we have all houses on the water, either on a beach, lakes, or, you know, streams, something of that nature. And, the, the strategic advantage I have on the short-term vacation rental side is that I use the, my brand, my coaching company, to throw events at these short-term vacation rentals, right? So I have no overhead. Right. So I use the brand, throw these events <laughs> at the house, charge five grand a person. They come. I get to show them everything I'm doing. Then they go out in the field. And go find the deals we partner, and then I make a bunch of money on the mastermind. I pay down all my debt on my short-term vacation rentals.
1: It's a win-win. Right, that's incredible. We've See, got someone awesome. on the live saying, "I'm wondering if he's interested in buying mobile homes in." It looks like GA, Georgia. Is there a Absolutely. limit to where you buy mobile homes? Yeah, in only southeast region or what?
2: So, if you follow me enough, I'm you know I'm pretty loud when it comes to my belief systems, you know, I I just say it like it is. I won't buy anything in the communist states, right? I would not mm-hmm. I would not I would not go in a blue state. That's I not you buy really it. Feel, I was gonna
0: say probably just buying red states.
2: Yeah, that's us just call it what it is. You stay away from the from the Democrat ran communist states that are, you know, trying to destroy entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship because right now that's what they're trying to do.
1: Okay. Okay. So you'll buy it in Georgia, and you'll buy it in a lot of red states, southern regions mostly, or like what? What
2: cold weather? No, I mean I bought two in Indiana, which is a red state, right right on the border, on the side of Michigan, um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: not far from Canada. I bought two in in that area, so I'm not scared to buy in the in the in the north. It just needs to be a predominantly, um, you know, conservative. Business-friendly state, right? I got buddies I know that have businesses in New York and in California. I mean, they pretty much some of them had to go bankrupt because they they tenants just did what they want, destroyed their places, didn't pay rent. It it took it took two years before they can get tenants out in California. It's so
1: ridiculous. it doesn't matter if someone's eight or ten states away. Uh, if you're pre- mostly predominantly in the the south uh, south what is it southeast yep. side of southeast. the U.S. If something's all the way up in the northwestern side, you'll still buy something up there if it makes sense. If it makes sense, yeah.
0: What's like your criteria? Minimum uh, mobile home count, or is it a minimum value? Is thirty
2: thirty units? I like thirty units or or more. You know, and we like to in the thirty to six, thirty to sixty, thirty to eighty range because big money can't get into it because it's too small, and small money don't have enough money to get into it. So I like to buy that one to three, one to four million dollar range. Gotcha. That's where I play. And that's where the best deals are at. Right. And uh my model is if I can't steal it, I'm not buying it. Right. So that's, uh, it, we're at the top of the market cycle, right? You got to be ultra careful what you buy. We might have a bunch of more, we might, it might have a bunch of more run up on the, you know, inflation, but history has t- told us that, uh, you know, what goes up must go down, come down. I mean, we, we can't just keep going up. Right. I mean, it's just, Uh, And we might better go a little bit more, but I'm not – I've almost been bankrupt twice, right? And I'm not going to – I know that I'm smart enough to know now and gotten bitten in my my rear end hard enough to know that – this free ride we're having, this this um, this gravy train ride where everybody's making money, there's so much money in, the, in liquidity in the marketplace is not going to last forever. And if right. you're young and you're watching this and you're in your 20s and you think that maybe you just got into real estate, like you're making all kind of money, it ain't always like this. This is an artificial market propped up on quantitative easing, printing of money, and there's so much money in the market and such slow demand. When you get a deal, you can make a lot of money and you feel like you're, you're super cool because... Real estate so easy, but it ain't going to always be like this. We're going to have a major correction It's going to get nasty and you better be prepared for it. So if you're overpaying for deals just because you want to buy real estate because maybe you're sitting on some cash or just because you want to become a real estate investor, that's the surest way to go bankrupt or get your ass handed to you because I know that's what happened to me when I first got into real estate.
1: Yep, mm. yep, yep. Now, one thing, before we were on the, the live, you were talking to us off air and you talked mm. to us about some of the some of the losses, like everyone wants to talk about the wins. And that's what we all strive for. And they're all there. So we're all doing great. So you can't knock that. But you also talked about um, there's a a good handful of losses and some ass whoopings that you took along the way. Before we go there, you did also say that you had like eight million dollars in mobile home parks that you were closing on. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I want to hit on some of those losses
2: yep so we had a we had a closing last week in Pensacola about a park for eight hundred eighty thousand it's getting seventeen thousand dollars a in month uh, a month right now in gross revenue and uh the rents are low like there's all the rents are all the rents are at five fifty to six fifty right now and you can't rent nothing in Pensacola for less than eight fifty or nine hundred and that's like low end stuff so we're gonna take the rents from seventeen to twenty two thousand probably in the next year to six months to a year it's a home run deal right and so that's that's the deal I closed on last week, and we have a deal we're closing either tomorrow or Thursday in Sulphur, Louisiana. It's a 28 unit right next to a uh, oil and gas plant, where the trailers are getting $1,300 a month in rent, three bedroom, one bath, like crazy, crazy numbers because there's nowhere to go for one. And two, it's it's work working at this oil and gas plant called the Sassol plant right outside of Lake Charles, Louisiana. I paid we we bought that one for one point four five and uh it gets thirty it's it's at thirty three thousand dollars a month. I mean so these numbers are ridiculous. You can't you can't buy an apartment complex for one point four five that's getting thirty-three thousand dollars in gross months of rent. It doesn't doesn't exist, right? No,
1: nope, I agree. And,
2: well, so we got that deal. Um and just to piggyback on that, you know, people say, Well, Chris, these trailers they fall apart. Bullshit. They they don't fall apart no more and no less than a thirty year old single family home or a thirty year old yep. apartment complex except they're a fraction of the cost to fix but the rents are not that much less than what you get for a single family home or an apartment so your yep. your 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 ratio of profits versus expenses is just so much better right so yep. I'm not gonna say you ain't gonna have your downside you do have a you know a tenant you know the, the tenants are somewhat rougher but you know if you if you manage them right and you and you um, you vet them and you make sure your property management uh, is streamlined to where you just don't let anybody in. You're you're golden, right? I mean, I've owned nice high end single family owns. I own apartments. Anybody that's a renter is typically going to have, you know, they're going to be rough around edges. I've had tenants destroy two hundred fifty thousand dollar houses. You know, yep. if they can destroy, I'd rather them destroy a, you know, a trailer I paid five grand for that I can fix up and make brand new for eight grand than a, a house that that's worth, you know, two hundred fifty thousand that they destroy and it costs me forty to sixty thousand. Ask me how I know that. I mean, that's happened multiple times. That's when I realized the single family home game is not for me. Um, so, and I can scale this. So, just to pick, I just want to add that. So. Because there's a misconception thinking that, you know, trailers, all oh, that trailer park trash, they fall apart. They don't last. It's, it's all bullshit. I mean, these mobile homes sit on a steel metal chassis. They uh, they have a frame, you know, a metal frame, which never goes bad. They, then they have, you know, sub floors. Then they have the regular floors and they have framing. They have insulation, a roof, just like anything else. Right now, they're not a, like as sturdy as a brick on slab apartment or brick on slab single family home. But my costs to fix are a lot, you know, a lot cheaper. And they're easy. They're just easy to fix, I man. Everything everything is right there busted pipe in an apartment complex i got to bust through the concrete it might cost me 10 15 grand if i got a busted pipe in my mobile home i just slide the the, the skirting over and lean in there and change that section it might it might be 50 it might be ten dollars in parts and you know uh, a maintenance guy 20 dollars an hour it might cost me 35 bucks 40 bucks to change out a part that otherwise if you have a an issue in an apartment or a single family home, it could cost you 10, 15 grand. So it's just different ways of thinking about things, different ways you have to wrap your mind around it. And um, and I think there's been a stigma with the government. You know, they don't, want you, they don't want you to buy mobile homes or invest in mobile homes, not because they're ugly or nasty, but because there's no property taxes, right? Mm-hmm. There's no revenue. That's the real reason they won't tell you. And that's the real reason they've tried to ban them inside the city limits is because there's no revenue for property tax for the city. So, wanted add that. So we got, so we got the closing in Sulfur tomorrow, Thursday. I have another closing in Brookhaven, Mississippi. I'm sorry, uh, Lutz, Lutz, uh Florida, which is right outside of Tampa Bay, Florida. We. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah L- you ever heard of Lutz? Yeah, no, yeah we yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. we did
0: a deal over yeah. there.
2: Yeah, I got a 35 unit. I close on next week. Uh, paid 2.1 million for that one. It's getting 30 thousand a month in gross income. Great area. So we close on that. that. That came from one of my students. The one, the sulfur deal came from another student. The Pensacola deal came from another student. Then I have another deal. It closes for two point two point three million in Brookhaven, Mississippi uh, the week after next. We pay 2.3. It's a 60, I believe a 68 unit mobile home park. It's getting $35,000 a month. Rents are low. And that's what we look for. We look for, you know, low rents. And most of these baby boomers, this is how you know if you got a good park, guys. For mm-hmm. one, the rents are going to, you know, the, ba- the the baby woman generation never keeps up with inflation. They never go up on rents because they just don't want to. They feel bad. So we got some of these parks that, that are average rent is eight, nine hundred bucks. And the rent's only at five and six hundred bucks. That's what I look for one because I know I can I've got some appreciation in rents. They it's they never I'm looking for uncaptured appreciated rents, right? That's the first thing I'm looking for. So I can raise the rents and get up to current market value and, and get a better um cash flow number and i raised the value of the property two i love when i when these landlords have been owning these parks for you know 10 20 and 30 years that all these parks were buying a lot of these parks were buying their um especially the one in in brookhaven mississippi he's owned it for 30 years why do you think he's owned it for 30 years
0: because it's a great great property that's right. Yeah, it's if it's not a
2: great, the only reason he's selling is because he's 82 years old. Yeah. Same thing with same thing we with the one we bought that we're buying uh, or that we bought last week in, in Pensacola. He he's an old Vietnam yeah. vet. He's uh, 72 years old. He had the park for 22 years. That's how you know it's a great investment. If this man's had it for 22 years, you know, obviously it's it's been a it's been a great investment for him. So
1: that's what i kind of what I look for, right? For sure. Yep. Yeah. Hey, do yeah. you um, do you ever get involved with mobile home parks where you're just renting out the space, the lots, and not the not the actual mobile homes I, themselves? I
2: do have a park. I had two parks that had one of them had lot rents, but I got I got rid of them, and, and I like to own the trailers. Um, I can get you know triple the rent, right? Standard lot rent might be two hundred fifty, three hundred, but you know rent might be nine hundred bucks, right? I liked. Some investors are lazy. They don't want to deal with they don't want to deal with maintenance or anything like that, which is great. That's whatever you want. But I'm an active investor. I'm a full time real estate investor. This is all I do. So I have a team. We have you know we have girls in the office that handle maintenance calls. We have full time maintenance crews. They can. We have systems and processes that handle all this. So it's really streamlined. Now, if I had to manage five hundred units, would would I probably uh, think differently? Sure. And that's the biggest hangup of why most you know, real estate guys get into, you know, landlords get into real estate and they quit. Why? Because they manage their own properties. Right. right? There's no scalability. When you manage your own properties. they hate, they hate their life, but I don't even know what goes on in the day-to-day operations. I just buy and, and, uh, you know, pass it along to my property managers and they're they're they, they go with it. Right. So that's what you have to understand is that, you know, if you're going to play this game, I can tell you right now, you either play it big or you go home. Do not try to just buy mm. two or three props Try to buy two or three properties and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a real estate investor, dude." You're gonna hate your life because you're not gonna have no scalability. Then you have to manage it yourself because you only have two or three properties, and then you're gonna be taking calls in the middle of the night trying to change, you know, get, fix a toilet leak, and there goes all your cash flow for the rest of the, you know, the year. And you're like, "Shit, what am I doing this for?" Right? So right. It, it it doesn't make any sense to do this small and and to piggyback on that, you know, everybody thinks when they buy real estate, they buy passive income, right? I, I love when these invest say I invest for passive income. That's bullshit. They nothing passive about passive income. You're going to mm-hmm. have made, The
1: myth you're about have, passive income. Tell, tell, tell them how you really feel, Chris.
2: Well, that's folklore, right? That's, that's for the, that's the guru shit, right? That they say, Oh, I'm a passive investor. I just own rental property and yada, yada, yada. This is nothing passive about passive income. It's, it's still a business calls. It's vacation lines back and forth. It's a business, right? You may not be involved in the day to day operations. If you're a true investor like me, you're not involved in the day to day operations. That's how you're able to scale because I don't know what goes on, and it can just you get other people to handle that. But if you're an operator, if you're an owner operator, you're gonna hate your life, and you're gonna sell it to me or or somebody else that's sending you a piece of direct mail because you've been doing it for two years because you watched the. You know, watch a show on late night TV saying you should be a real estate investor and buy a rental property and sell off into the sunset after you own properties and you realize that you got sold a bill of goods, right? So yeah. you have to think with that, first of all, is that it's, it's not passive, one. And two, you got to look at it as a store of income, a store of value, right?
1: Yeah, nothing's ever really passive unless you sell no. the business. It's never that's really right. Ultimately passive. I can honestly,
2: I can honestly say the only real estate I have that is truly passive that I and it's not a, I say passive, it's more passive than most passive income, and Your that's 401k. my short. No, I don't have a four one k. Is my short term Airbnbs like I truly have nothing to do with that? I don't know what goes on. And that's mailbox money because it's, you know, you have property managers that handle all that. And, and it's really good, good. The, I, I like luxury Airbnb high-end rentals on the beach because they pay up front. They take care of your properties. You know, it, they have a credit card on file. If they mess up the, the house. They, we can, the property management bills them.
1: And it's, um,
2: they're in and out, right? So, I mean, like my house in Destin gets 16, 15000 $16,000 a week during peak season. For, yeah. for just a, per week the house across the street from me on the beach gets sixty four thousand dollars a week right and uh and they pay up front and um it's just it, it's, it's it's really a good model so uh, that's the that's the two places i like to play i like the short-term rentals high-end luxury stuff and i like i like mobile home park investing and i do to answer your question about the lot rent I don't. I do have a couple parks that are lot rent, but I got most of, uh, rid, rid of most of those because I like to own the trailers. I'm not saying I mm-hmm. wouldn't buy other parts because every, all that it goes back to competitive advantage, right? And playing where there's not a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition in the lot rent parks right now. A lot of big hedge funds are looking at them. A lot of people want doctors, attorneys, lawyers. They want to buy the lot rent parks because there's no nets. Right? right so that's dr- driven down the cap rate these some of these are dr- selling at a four to six cap which is ridiculous right. that doesn't, that, crap, doesn't right? that doesn't ex- that doesn't excite me
0: might as well buy an apartment building
2: yeah the same thing with apartments i mean it's right, it's, right. it's just, i don't that's why i don't play with apartments and i don't pay, play with uh lot rent parks that that are you know selling in you know in the six cap range I, i'd rather i'd rather own the trailers and
1: two caps yeah
2: yeah i'd rather play where i can win and i can win with them with owning the trailers
1: it's funny I, I remember when uh g and i first opened our wholesale business and uh we used to go to and we still go to a decent amount of meetups but we used to go to meetups and lunches and we went to uh, a Jaxaria meetup it was a lunch with a bunch of old-timer passive investors and, uh, you know, they buy rental properties and it's kind of like a landlord meetup. And I remember one old timer telling me, cause I had rental properties at the time. We still have rental properties now, but I had a bunch of rental properties at the time and I had them all with management companies and stuff. And the old timer was, uh, was upset at me. He's like, son, why do you have property managers for your rental properties? You're letting them take the icing off your cake. <laughs> 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 it was just hilarious because. I think I think I had 21 at the time, and he had six. But he was just kind of like going and changing the toilets, and oh yeah, Save, saving, saving t- nickel and diamond, and yeah, yeah. So a just nickel a and mindset in a different world. It
2: is. I mean, look, if it depends on what you want, you got to actually, hey, where do I want to be in 20, 30 years, and reverse engineer that. Some people, you know, so I got some investors that I wholesale too, and they they just want 20 houses paid off, free and clear, single family homes, and that's their retirement. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But even if you have 20 houses paid off free and clear, depending on you know, what you're getting in rent, you know if, if, you're, if you're doing all the maintenance yourself when you get older, which you might have to to keep your margins high, dude, you're going to get burned out when you retire because you're going to go from retiring from your job to going to be a property manager.
1: Full-time,
2: full-time freaking landlord. And guess what? Mm-hmm. You're going to hate your life. Yeah. So
1: yeah. And it might be one of these 60, 70, 80-year-old people that sell to people like Chris Rude and don't want to pass it to their kids because of like, you don't want this headache.
2: That's right. And that's exactly – because they don't have scalability, right? You yeah. need scale. Yeah. You need scalability. And it gets to economies of scale where it's like, okay, you have enough revenue coming in where it, property management, it, it's fine. Like It's okay to give up 10% and it makes sense and you can still live your life. So that's kind of where I'm at on things, right? Um if you want to, dove, we could dovetail that into what you said on the second piece. You wanted to talk about the the losses, right?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. That that was pretty interesting because a lot of people that we talked to, everyone wants to talk about the wins, and we have all been through the trials and tribulations, and we're going to still go through them because I think we all still want to grow aggressively. But you talked about a handful of uh, of times where you got your ass handed to you and yep. it sounds like you have some recent stories too or maybe some stuff you're still going through so i thought that was a really cool take to to let everyone know that it's not all like bells and whistles that we we have challenges currently now and we've had them in the past to get to the points that we're at
2: sure sure you know being in being an entrepreneur right it's um it's it's a series of you know lose 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 win win lose win 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 really really big lose win, lose, win, and that's what people don't realize is that, dude, entrepreneurs, we, you don't, here's the thing about being an entrepreneur, I talked about this in my last mastermind, right, you don't need a lot of brains, what you need is balls, balls mm. will beat brains every day twice on Sunday, you got mm. the academic camp and you got the entrepreneur camp, the academic camp is full of brains but they have no balls and that's why they get a job, entrepreneur camp is the guys that didn't do well in school like myself but they have massive balls and maybe they can't, you know, they, they're not, they're not as smart or glib when it comes to memorizing facts or conjugating nouns or algebra or calculus, you know, shit, I, I cheated my way all through college. Right. So
0: Hell yeah.
2: with, with that said, you're going to, most academics are not, don't have the wherewithal to take a risk to even start a business. Right. Right. for one. So there's, there's not a lot of balls involved, right, in, in their way of thinking, but they, they but they beat their chest because they're so smart, right? Right. So the, 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 the biggest and baddest entrepreneurs that I've studied is that they have a willingness to lose, and they lose with grace, and they never really lose. They just learn, and they just readjust, readjust, and they keep on going. Right. So I think for all of us, you know, we just got to realize that we're going to lose. It's going to hurt, but every time you lose you just you, you get you extract a golden nugget out of every loss and it becomes a lesson, not a loss and that's how I think I think the the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet they're always pivoting they're always making adjustments and they're okay to lose. So you know with with that said um, yeah I mean shit where do I start how much time do I got you want to talk about some losses I got a business that's a million dollars in the hole right now liquid I still I stroke a check for 14 thousand dollars a month just to keep it open to the bank just to keep my credit. Right. I've been doing that for six years. So Ooh, you know, let's most,
1: dig into that. How, how do I get someone giving me 14 K a month? <laughs> so back in
2: 2014, when I had all, you know, I, I started, I had all those businesses, all those quick lubes. Remember when the oil, the oil field dropped from $128 a barrel to $28 a barrel.
1: What year was that?
2: This is 2014 when the crash, the oil field crash happened. The
1: mm, Okay.
2: So, so our 2014 was like you guys' 2008. In 2008, the South didn't really get hit that hard, especially the oil and gas area, Texas, Louisiana, because oil was at $100 a barrel during the 2008 crash. It was like $80 to $100 a barrel. So it carried us. Like It, it, it did really good. It made a lot of money. So we didn't feel that whole lot of crash then. Our crash was 2014 when oil went from $128 a barrel to $28 a barrel. And that freaking – we got hammered tens of thousands of jobs got i mean in really good paying jobs i'm talking 100 150,000 dollars job's even people making a quarter of a million dollars all got hammered is that so back when
1: gas went up to like 5 6 bucks a gallon
2: <clears throat> no that's well that that's that means that means oil was high right mm, gas oh, when when, ga- when gas is cheap when gas is really cheap that's when oil fields not doing good right now right now the people in the oil and gas industry are about to make a boatload of money
0: Right, right. I right. gotcha.
2: Because oil's oh, so high. So back in 2014, when I had all those shops that happened, I lost. I mean, I lost all my fleet accounts. I, so I had. I started losing money. So I started selling off my shops. Well, my wholesaling business was covering a lot of my losses because I got into wholesaling around that same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up selling off three of those shops, but I, the fourth one I couldn't sell, and I still own it to this day. And uh, you know, I, I had a, over a million dollars of debt on it. You know. And I'm, I've been stroking a check just to keep it open and pay the, you know, actually we just shut it down last week, but I've been stroking a check to the bank for $14,000 a month for the past, since 2014 or well, mid 2014, 2015. So we're we're right at a million, I think it was $998,000 liquid loss to the whole that I've been losing money on. But you know what? Most people have said, Hey, let me give this back to the bank. Let me just give up on it. And, uh, Lose my credit, but you always want to do the right thing in business, right? I could afford it, so I kept on paying it. And if I wouldn't have paid it, guess what? I lost my credit. I wouldn't have been able to buy thirty million dollars worth of assets now. So you you got to do. So you got you got to learn from that. And, and most people give up, and even though they can pay it, they still give up and they they bk it or they they for, let it foreclose on it. But um, yeah, I mean, shit, we've been stroking checks for, for a while now. I'm gonna continue to stroke checks until I pay it off. I don't give a shit. I, I make enough money to cover it and my credit is worth, you know, my shit, my credit to me is worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars versus just losing 14 grand a month.
0: Right. Yeah. It makes no, total sense. How, how long
1: do you think you have left until your last check, your last $14,000 stroke?
2: Shit. I, I did a 20 year mortgage on it. So I, I've, I've owed that about, I've owned it about nine years. So what I got 11 years left on it. Jeez. I'll probably be. If I if I were to pay that, like keep paying it for the next eleven years, I'll probably be three to three and a half, four more million dollars worth of losses on it. But it'll it'll sell by then because I'm paying down the debt, right? I only owe like 75 on the way. Right. Because we just we actually just shut the doors two weeks ago and put it for sale. And I've been trying to sell it, but my books were so bad because I, I kept the doors open that and we had no revenue because I, you know, I didn't have a good manager there. I wasn't there no more. I just didn't. I didn't give a shit, to be honest with you. You know, yeah, yeah, just so
1: many other beautiful things going on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm making you know millions of dollars flipping real estate and buying parks. So it's like it's just a cost of doing business to me, right? But now yep. we got it for sale, so it should it should sell within the next year. And if I got to stroke a check for two for two or three hundred thousand dollars here in the next three to six months as it's for sale, I'll do it just to get out of it, right? But that's yep. another yep. lesson that you guys have learned is like. I might have lost the battle over the years, right? Year in and year out, stroking those checks, but I'm going to win the war because I did the right thing over time. And me keeping my credit is more valuable than me foreclosing, letting the bank foreclose on and losing my credit because I'd never bought all those assets. I wouldn't be, I'm going to be at $100 million in assets probably within a year, right? Maybe a year and a half, two years max. But if I wouldn't have did the right thing, you know, I would have never, I'd have lost my credit. So,
1: Oh, for sure that's how you sure. have to look
2: at it that's it, you, it's a loss but it's a lesson right just do the right thing now if I couldn't yeah. feed my family and I was going bankrupt and I couldn't pay my bills that's a different story yeah theres sometimes of you just got to wipe your hands and you got to say hey look mr banker I'm sorry my kids getting fed is more important than you making your interest and, and then there's a time and a place but if you can afford it you, you take care of your obligations and you do what you say and say what you do
1: yeah that makes total sense and uh just real quick because we're, we're getting really close to the tail end of this but that's one of the other things that I wanted to talk about really quickly because you've got, um, I don't think, 15 plus mobile home parks. You just closed or in the middle of closing on around $8 million of a combination of mobile home park uh, uh, assets that you're buying. And you're yep. going to get to $100 million within the next couple of years. How, what's the plan for that and how do you plan on doing that? You know, for me, I think... Um, a, a mega plan, mega accomplishment once you get that done.
2: Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, will I stop at a hundred million? Probably not. You know, I'll probably be like, Hey, where can we take this? You know, I'm, I'm hoping my brand will be bigger. I have more followers. I have more, you know, wherewithal more, more, more students that, that I can work with to find me deals. i probably want to go to two or 300 million. Who knows? But I mean, eventually my body will wear out. I'll be like, okay, look, shit I only got maybe 10, 15 good quality years left of my life. I'd probably package them up to a read or, you know, a hedge fund and sell them all off at a, you know, a lot higher price than what I bought it. And, uh, probably take all that money and buy a bunch of high-end luxury airbnbs cash and sell off into the sunset and not have any debt and live off of my airbnbs and because that's a little bit more passive and you know it doesn't require me to have a maintenance crew and it's just a little bit you know it's not as cumbersome and um they hold their value i think that's my play i'm gonna i'm gonna build this thing up into a couple hundred million dollars sell off and buy a bunch of 1031 exchange into a bunch of short-term vacation rentals pay them cash
1: Sweet. Oh, I that's think, awesome. How do you plan to get to the hundred million?
2: Dude, the brand. The brand is senior to everything else. If you wanna, if you guys are listening, I'm telling you right now, if you want to take it to the moon, you need to build a brand. Right. I talked about this in my at my mastermind, right? If you if you look at if you look at a you know, look at it as a triangle, right? You've got at one point of the triangle, you got direct to seller marketing. The bottom other corner triangle is raising private money. And then the, the top right here, the top piece of the triangle you look at is a brand, right? And in the middle of that triangle, you got what's called your strategic advantage. Where is your strategic advantage on all these points? How can you cheat legally, right? Then you put a circle around all that right there, and, you, and that's that's what your environment, you guard your environment like it's sacred. You put a moat around it because when you start making money, you start doing well for yourself, people are going to attack you. But the most important piece out of all those pieces is the brand. The brand is seen to everything else because the brand – Will bring you more deals, and it will help you raise money. All the deals I'm buying right now have to do with, with, with zero ad spend. It's all from people that have come to my mastermind, me on social media, and they found me a deal off market, smoking high deal, brought it to me. I took it down, raised the money, and signed the debt. So the brand must be seen as it it out it outperforms every other every point on that on that uh, piece that I just gave you. Correct. How do you think Grant Cardone wrote, raised three four hundred million dollars on Instagram? Is he's cool? No, he's got a huge brand. He's loud and obnoxious about what he does. That's why you see me posting about buying mobile home parks and putting out content. It's not because I, you think I like doing all that shit. I don't like being on camera. I don't even like shit. When I first started building a brand, I I thought Facebook was a joke, right? I thought it was like, I thought it was a it was just for people that had nothing better to do. Man, yeah. was I wrong, right? So if you can build a brand, you can buy your way into rooms. You can buy it. You can get free. You can get you get access to and to deals and and resources that other people would never get access to because you have you have brand recognition. People know who you are, what you do, and how you do it. So, guys, build a brand, right? Build a brand. Just get really good at something and show people what you're doing, how you're doing, and how you can help them. And you can raise money and take down deals. And it, I'm telling you, it's it's senior to everything else. And everybody's a brand. Don't think you're not a brand. You're a brand. Every single person here is a brand. What what do you, you're known for something? Well, what are you known for? Are you known for smoking dope and and drinking a six-pack every night? Or are you known for you know taking down deals and being a badass real estate investor? You need to be known for being a real estate investor so you can get organic leads. You know, get people what you're doing, and people are gonna to want to work with you.
0: Right. No, that's huge, man. That's huge. And um I think, I think it's something that people don't really talk about too much, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm happy that you're bringing it up because everybody talks about, you know, Hey, spend more marketing dollars, um, go network more or whatever. Um, but, but it is true, man. Building a brand will cover all ends. Um, what
2: you guys are doing right now, you're building a brand, you're putting yourself out there, you're talking, you're giving content, you're giving value. We talked about that offline. What has that brand done for you? It's brought you more deals. Brought you coaching clients. It's brought you – you probably put on events. You People know who you are in your market. You're probably local celebrities in your market because of what you're doing right now because you're what? You're giving value and content and building a brand.
0: Right, right, right. No, that's awesome, man. So so you talked to, uh, about um, trainings that you're doing and stuff like that. Uh, I know you have one coming up in, um, in June, right?
2: June 24th and 25th in Lafayette, Louisiana. It's the Make Mobile Home Parks Great Again Mastermind and oh, talking about hell
0: yeah well yeah. what kind of shirts do you give out at these events
2: man you don't even want to know can i if i might get censored on uh on youtube here oh, or dude, we
0: we for you to get us banned, I, I feel like dom we made it that's
2: a, that, that, yeah that's the that's a sign of endearment man
0: oh yeah, hell yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no we right, had
2: we, we 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 hand out the make mobile home parts great right, again mastermind and uh, our, uh shirts and then we hand out the uh the f biden shirts i mean we we're we're loud and proud, man. I mean, what's going on in this country is bullshit. And I'm a proud American-loving entrepreneur. I love freedom. I love opportunity. I love starting businesses, and I love other people that are trying to do the same thing. No matter what color your skin is, race, Eddie, race, religion. If you like to make money and you love this country and just want to provide an awesome life for your family, you're my brother.
0: Nice. Hell yeah, man! And do you, do you have to be vaccinated to to go to one of your events?
2: No, if you're vaccinated, you're not allowed.
1: You know, <laughs> what if you're not vaccinated, but you go and get the booster? <laughs> oh, man, then you to sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, really quick, a couple quick questions. What's the size of your biggest mobile home park and your smallest mobile home park?
2: The smallest one I have is an eight unit, which we're selling right now. It was the second park I ever bought about four years ago. And the biggest park I have is 67 units
1: sweet 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 and then your minimum now you don't like them you don't like them smaller than 30
2: yeah i'll buy 25 or 20 but it would have to be in an unbelievable location and and the numbers got to just be really really good but 30 is usually the make break point
0: i gotcha okay awesome so how can people learn more um about the events that you do and, and learn more about you yeah,
2: it, you can inbox me on Facebook at Chris Root Entrepreneur, or just Chris Root. Just press the like button. I've got a am maxed out on friends, but you press the like button, you can follow me. But you got my business page, unlimited likes there, and then just inbox me. Um, go to uh, Instagram at Real Estate Root. I put out me and my wife put out content, you know, every day. We're we're, we're full time real estate investors. You can mm-hmm. learn a lot from what we do. We're we're married for 22 years. We have five kids. Um, we truly know, live the real. estate. Awesome. We we truly live the real estate life like we live eat, and shit and breathe real estate every day. So wow. um, if you want coaching, you go to chrisrood.com. Um, if you you know learn the the basics on you know wholesaling, flipping, raising money, uh, building a brand, I've got a whole con- content on br- building a brand. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's all there. I've got courses on on mobile home park investing and it's uh it's a fun journey guys if you got to be willing to work it ain't easy you know you guys know it this ain't easy you see a lot of bullshit from gurus saying you know you'll be a millionaire in the first six months or three months or yada 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 it's just it's not like that anything that's makes a lot of money has got to be hard that's how the universe is set up right if it's if it's rare and valuable it's going to be hard you know starting a real estate company and making money is hard that's why it's rare and valuable so get out your mind right now if you if you if you need help coaching you think you're going to hire me it's just going to be uh a walk in the park, it's not. It's going to be really hard, but it'll be worth no, but
1: it. They're going to learn what it really takes, which is awesome. Dude, they're
2: going to learn. They're going to learn. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 22 years old. I'm 41. I've started a, a couple dozen businesses. A lot of them failed. A couple but, dozen. Hell, I, okay. But I've had three or four that knocked it out of the park, right? And that's all you need. All, oh, you, yeah. need is one or two. all you need is one or two really good businesses. That you're going to, if you're an entrepreneur, you start in businesses, you're going to fail. Most of your businesses are going to fail. But the, the key is to make sure they fail quick. And fail fast and make sure you don't lose a lot of money, you're gonna lose some money. But as long you as you, you mitigate your risk. Yeah, fail right. forward, right? Mitigate your risk, you know, cr- you know, figure out in your mind the downside and, and mitigate that and, and make sure if you do lose, it's just it's a small loss, right? It just what really destroys businesses and people is just big, big mistakes and big losses, right? And staying around the right people, right? I can't I can't that, that circle I talked about, the environment, you gotta Once you become an entrepreneur, you got to get around other entrepreneurs. If you're not, this is why it's so impertinent, important to get, go to masterminds, hang out with like-minded people. Because if you're trying to talk with people that are not doing what you're doing, dude, you're going to be in some trouble because they just, they're not going to relate, right? You can't have high level conversations with low level people. And that's no, you know, jab at people that are not entrepreneurs. When I say low level, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, in the way they think. You know, they don't think big. They don't think about making money. They just their their uh their pressure gauge doesn't work as well as ours. They can't handle pressure, so they get a you know a nine to five job and that's just all they can handle. There's nothing wrong with that. You need you need all types of people in the world. But if you're hanging around a you know, a person that like that, that that's not an entrepreneur, they will they they will jab at you and beat you down. This is why it's really important. Go to masterminds. That's the cheat sheet for life. Buy your friends. I don't have friends. I talk about this all the and time. I have I don't have any friends, folks. Hell, my mm. dog barely likes me. All I have is allies, right? <laughs> you know, friends give me hangovers. Allies help me make money. In terms oh, yeah. The best relationships you're going to have are the ones you buy and pay for. You take that shit to the bank.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. If there's anyone keeping it real, Chris, it's you for sure. But one of the cool things is... um, Guys, you can buy
0: me as a friend if you want. You know, I'll cash out. (laughs) You can buy me as a friend.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then you document (laughs) your journey, right? So, uh, And then we followed you. We followed you for years. And this past weekend, you had a retreat. You talked about high-level retreats, high-level individuals. You had Carlos Reyes there. You had... um, I I forgot who else you said you had there. But it was like 53 people in the room. I mean, people are overpacking your your retreats which is yep. amazing and awesome and we, we we should go to one soon oh for sure i'm for definitely sure. down to come to you maybe we'll go to your next retreat but the next one you said also is going to have a navy seal and some yep. other thing yeah
2: we we have a navy seal coming he's been through two or three tours of duty been through extreme combat you know you seen buddies murder uh, you know shot you know he's been in you know, a lot of real hairy situations of combat people dying and he's got medals lots of medals and um you know I wanted to add. I wanted to bring him on because I think, I think he it's very um, valuable to have somebody that's been through that. You know, we 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 oh, yeah. go through a lot of pressure situations where, you know, we feel like we're losing it, right? You know, and we do. You know, as an entrepreneur, we do die, right? You can die financially, you know, but our bodies don't die. But that's next level, right? When you're fighting for your country and you you may lose your body and get blown away and shot and die. And how do you handle that pressure, right? And I think there's a lot of correlations to that in business that can mm. transmigrate into um you know you know keeping trying to trying to just soak up well how did how do you handle that how do you handle your buddy getting right. shot right, right.
0: Mm. you know
2: how do you handle a pressure situation where you either you know your this your buddy dies or you save a kid right
0: you yeah know, that's Jeez. the shit
2: that like really really hairy shit like how do you make these decisions and if you can make high level decisions like that life and death, and you can apply that to business, I think that will really, really kind of mold you into a high level business owner.
1: Right, right. I think what's awesome about that is because in a lot of these trainings and a lot of these events that are out there, you know, they're going to give you some data and they're going to give you some scripts, but they're not going to bring an individual like that, that talks to you about actually taking action and doing things and taking risks and persevering and persisting through challenges, trials, tribulations. And that's what's really going to help you to make it in the entrepreneurial world—not not a script and not some key data points or the systems that everyone knows how to get. It's really just taking action and doing and getting through the grit until you survive and you yep. explore something beautiful.
2: Hundred percent. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's always working on yourself, personal development. Right? Jim Rome once said, uh, and always remember this: you know. You you're, you only make, I forgot how exactly he exactly said it, but you only make as much money as how personally developed you are, right? Or yep. he said, no, he, he says, hey, um, Your
0: level of success will seldom exceed the level pers- of your personal, personal development.
2: development. Yeah. F- personal finances seldom exceed uh, personal development. Yep. Right. Yep. So you only make, so what is it? You only make as much money as how developed you are mentally, right?
0: Yep. 100%. No, that's huge, man. Dropping bombs all the way till. Till nine or till 10 o'clock, dude. I fucking love it. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Everybody watching, if you tune in late, make sure to hop back in and re watch this. Um, Chris, for anybody watching and wants to attend the event coming up in June, um, they can go to chrisrude.com.
2: Well, chrisrude.com is my coaching. Um, you know, if they okay. want coaching, but if they want, if they just want to come to the event, these are small. Exclusive events. You know, we have fifty people max. Um, they can just inbox me because so inbox me at real estate root on Instagram or Chris Root Entrepreneur or just Chris Root on Facebook.
0: Awesome, man! And I know we um, said this um, a couple shows ago, so just giving everybody a heads up: our shows are going to be changing to six thirty p.m. Eastern. Um, So this will officially be our last show at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, So make sure to uh, check out the new schedule coming up. And uh, thank you guys so much for watching. I'm G. Guys, and I'm Dom. And this is the Cash Network. Peace.